when, when I say about more time with people than with paper, um, I don't know. Sometimes there's this pressure, I feel like, as Bible teachers to say, okay, I've, I've done 20 hours or I've done 25 hours this week. And yeah. I'm just, I've been buried in books and I've been at my desk. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't study, but I just think that sometimes we can err in trying to come up with something and get so complicated and sound so polished and yeah. whatever that that I'm not with people, helping them in their day to day and just building those friendships. Hey guys, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 123. I'm your host, Mike Neglia. And if this is your first or your second time listening to the podcast, man, welcome. Um, we are committed and devoted to helping you grow in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's word. And to that end, the conversation you're about to hear between myself and Pastor David Downs from Turin, Italy, uh, we speak about the importance of having precision in the pulpit, and also towards the end, some really valuable conversation about the combination that preachers need to spend between what he calls people time and paper time. We need to spend time with our books, and we also need to spend time with our flocks. And so I know this conversation is going to be enriching to you and for you. Right before this episode starts, I do also want to invite you to our second ever Expositors Collective webinar. Uh, we've just lined up uh, Pastor Ryan Hughley uh, to come and to speak to us about sermon preparation and delivery. Uh, you might remember him from a few episodes back. He had a great uh, interview with uh, Nick Cady, and I know that you're going to want to spend time with him. Um, check out our social media, check out expositorscollective.com. You'll have more details on how you can sign up for this training webinar on September 19th. Okay, I'm gonna get out of the way and uh, let you listen to this interview that I had with David back in January of 2020. And I'm gonna chime in again at the end with a little teaser for episode 124. All right, God bless you. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. I'm here with the David Downs. How are you, David? The, I, well, I guess uh, definite articles because there is one of me, but it, it makes me sound more special than I really am. You're so. special to me. <laughs> you're special to me. Um, so, David, I've known you. You're like my conference buddy. We are. For the past yeah. five, ten we're years. We're more than acquaintances. Yes. I wouldn't say we're best friends. No, we're not. <laughs> but, I, but I like you. Yeah. You're yeah. this guy. But I, I see potential for even better friendship in the future. Yeah. Especially if Ireland was closer to Italy. Yes. Um, what a great I think that's really the... <laughs> what a great transition. So, Dave, you live in Italy, yes? Yeah. Almost 14 years. May 2006, I moved to Italy. I was 21. Wonderful. And got stuck. And you lived in a few different cities in Italy. Is that right? Yeah. I had the privilege and opportunity to be eight years in a city called Montebelluna, uh, five in a city called Ferrara, and now the last year in the city of Turin or Torino. Okay. And which is your favorite? 
That's a, that's such, a, such a loaded special. Question. Yeah, one city was 30,000, another was 120, and now I'm in a city with almost a million people in the downtown. So they're all special and different, unique things that I think I've been able to learn along the way. But okay, we really love our present city of Turin. Yeah. And a question that maybe everyone's wondering, is, is this the place where the Shroud of Turin is? That's it. That, okay. that's, so people are like, what's Turin? And then you, and then you say the Shroud of Turin, they're like, yeah. oh, yeah, that, that place, right? Okay. So Fiat Motors, Lavazza Coffee, fourth largest city, the Olympics were there in 2006. So oh. we're really close to France and we're surrounded by the French and Swiss Alps. Wonderful. Yeah. So your city is famous for an image of the dead Christ. And you know what's funny about that is, is that you go to the main Duomo downtown and they have a picture of the thing, but the actual cloth is back in a sarcophagus. So it's like the risen Jesus really? is back in a grave. Wow. <laughs> so it's, I mean, they want to protect of it course. from yeah. light and humidity and whatever, but that's interesting. You know? And what's your message there? About the shroud? No, about, about Jesus. About Jesus? <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, it's funny that, that we tend to over focus on symbols that speak of the reality. And then in it all, it gets very ironic because now they're putting him back in a box, but yeah. he's obviously not there. Yeah. And um, it, it was noticed by the apostles, but it wasn't the point, right? Right. It's folded. It's there. Yeah. Uh, Jesus was resurrected and he was orderly enough to fold the head, the head garment right, the, and, and set it aside. Um, in the moment of resurrection, it's kind of funny to think about folding a garment. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but it points us and, and things point us to Jesus, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Wonderful. Hey, speaking of pointing us to Jesus... Why don't you tell us about the first time that you preached in public? First time, I think I actually shared was like a devotional on a short-term mission trip. Okay. And that was really fun because there was like five people and we were friends. But the first real time, I think I was interning at the Bible College in Murrieta, uh, 2005, well, 2006. And I was interning under Pastor Rod Thompson for the Acts class. Okay. And he let me know about an hour before class that he couldn't oh. teach. Oh. And so I had to stand for two hours in front of 50 people and, uh, and, and teach the class. So that was actually a kind of a scary moment. That, I sounds, felt terrible. Highly that sounds terrible. Not prepared <laughs> yeah. to do it, but God was good. And, okay. Yeah. So you had one hour to prepare for a two hour. Something like that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But, you know, I mean, it, the, the text was all broken down into paragraphs because Rod was kind of doing acts and IBS kind of as showing them how to kind of break down the passage. So we all had the text broken into paragraphs and we had gone through and circled words and repetitions Wonderful. and looked at language. So some of that kind of work was done. And um, all of that stuff from that season of interning has probably been one of the most important things of like even what I do today. But. Um, but yeah, that was, that was scary. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, side note. So we have a couple episodes about IBS yeah. um, on our podcast feed mm -hmm. and um, I'll put the links in the show notes for yeah. if you want, people want to know what is this IBS yeah, technique? Yeah. What is it in like a one sentence? What's IBS? I, Irritable bowel I, syndrome? Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. That's horrible. Yeah. Um, inductive Bible study method. So basically you just want to get down to what is something saying, right? I mean, I think that's, yeah. Um, so analyzing a text and just looking at simple things like repetitions, looking at language, looking at transition words. And I mean, and I think people that have learned another language, I think we've, who have another level of like observing grammar hmm. and hmm. 
that kind of adds to it. Yeah. And you appreciate tenses and you appreciate language in general. But I think that's it. It's just what is what is the text saying? Just trying to look at the language and just what is the person trying to communicate and, and not reading into, but reading from. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and seeing it for what it is and not what you want it to be. And, yeah. And you found the inductive Bible study method to be useful to you all these years later as well. Yeah. I, th I think just the basic thing of just breaking something into paragraphs that are bite size that makes sense, yeah. that have continuity of flow and... Yeah, just some just basic observation stuff that I still kind of do today. Yeah. That's valuable. That's great. Oh. And so going back to that first teaching session, mm -hmm. you said that God was gracious. Did he graciously allow you to do awesome or did he graciously allow you to fail? I think you'd have to go back and ask the students yeah. that were present. Yeah. Um, but I remember um, Joe Holden later was, I was talking with him and he was like, you know, I was actually listening to your class. He was, I think, in the AV room or something. And he said something that like really encouraged me. He's like, um, you could tell that you don't have the experience, but you have the basic bones and like you said a lot of great things. And, and so you have a great start. You know, I was like, so there's like these words from a guy that like, I really respected. And it's yeah. just like, oh, thank you for that. You know, that like words, I'm, I'm like a words of affirmation guy, you know, so okay. like I need somebody to tell me I'm doing a good job. You know, like ever okay. since I was in Are third you? grade, Are you? I'd always go to my teacher and ask like five times, is, am I doing this right? You really? Know? So. That really stuck with me and it really like encouraged me. Yeah. Well, so far you did a good job on this podcast. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I'm a friend. Yes. <laughs> um, do you remember your first, like, let's say Sunday sermon, kind of jumping to a different context? Yeah. I think, I think the first time I did a Sunday sermon was in Italy. I was a year into living in Montebelluna, working under Pastor Craig Kwong and, and he was sick. And couldn't uh, show up to the mountain church in the city of Feltre. So uh, my first Sunday sermon was, again, oh. an hour warning okay. before church in another language. Mm -hmm. So I had been living in Italy for a year and three months. And so my first Sunday service was um, at about an hour of preparation in a language I was just beginning to learn. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of weird. How'd that go? <laughs> it went surprisingly well. Really? I mean, obviously, you're in the new language. Yes. So your your vocabulary is super super limited. Yeah. Your uh, there's probably empathy on behalf of the congregation empathy, towards you. Fun, yes. fun yeah. link like language blunders. So they're yeah. laughing. It makes okay. it kind of fun. Okay. It was a church of thirty people. Okay. Um, but but then there's a, I think there's a simplicity too, which years later, speaking to a friend of mine that's Italian that was preaching in English, I kind of was saying this with him. That for me in Italian, I think there was something that forced you to simplicity hmm. that you couldn't get lost in all of your complicated language that you really just had to keep it simple. Yeah. And I think that there's something beautiful even in that. But yeah, my first Sunday service was like the surprise and in another language, but it was fun. Yeah, you know, it was really, it, it felt like a victory moment. Like I'm a year hmm. and three hmm. months into a new culture, a new language. And I'm, I'm, I'm sharing a Bible study in their language. And it was really empowering. It, it, felt, it felt really fun, you know. Do you remember your passage? I don't. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. I don't. Well, my next question is, like, how have you grown since then? So these mm -hmm. early teachings, mm -hmm. what, had, what they had in common is you had one hour to prep. Yeah. So now, what, 13 years later or, Almost, or many, yeah. many years later, yeah. like, what's your preparation process look like? Um, I, I, I generally tell people that if... I make a mistake. It's more people time than paper time. Um, I don't know how everybody's prep and their approach to prep and, and book time, 
I'm kind of a guy that tends to just hang out with people a lot. Yeah. And I love being with people and relation just to be relational. So if anything, I am somebody who makes the error of maybe not studying enough. Um, but I, I try to have one solid day a week where I have anywhere between four to eight hours of study time mm -hmm. for my Sunday message. Um, the things I learned back in Bible college with inductive Bible study, still, still very much true today. So read through text, try to understand the book that I'm going through as a whole, try to understand the passage that was selected for that, you know, that, that, that day. And, um, and then to break it down, it's a little bite-sized paragraph. So if I'm going to do a chapter or a part of a chapter, I try to, as like the very first thing is to understand these little micro paragraphs in the way that I want to read through a part, pause, say some things about those verses, and then go on to that next bite-sized chunk. So I think that's the first thing is to read through. Second thing is to paragraph it out. If yeah. that's a verb to paragraph. Okay. Yes. Okay. Perhaps, Why not? perhaps. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So that's something that you've, you've grown or changed in. Yeah. Cause think, it sounds like I that's think, a similar thing from your beginning. Yeah, yeah. So grown in is, is knowing how to do that better. Yeah. And I think just by virtue of 14 years going by now, um, you have a lot more Bible, uh, passages memorized. You yeah. have a lot more of an understanding of, um, any given text. And so I think that that builds on itself over time. So I think, I think time, is, is, has been a great factor in bettering all of that. Um, I think because for years I also taught in the Bible college setting, a uh, three hour class or three and a half hour class. Mm. One thing I've had to learn and get better at is learning how to say less mm. and to use 30 minutes or to use 40 minutes more precisely Yeah, because it's, it's really no time. And so I feel like I've had to get better at saying one thing well, or, you know, your three point sermon or whatever that, that yes. supports your, your thesis of the morning or yeah. the evening or whatever your, your study time, you know, whenever you have church. But so I, I think trying to learn how to be more precise because I, I tend to ramble. I'm rambling now, maybe. No, no. <laughs> but I think that's been difficult is to be able to um, to use that that time. Well, I, I, I always know I haven't studied well when my Sunday sermon goes 50 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I, I'm not, I don't have the clarity I need. That's right, yep. So. Some people would think of, you know, a long sermon yeah. as almost like a badge of honor, you yeah. know? Yeah. I gave them so much of the word. Yeah. It was, I could have preached for another hour if I wanted to. Yeah. I understand maybe they're saying. for that, or yeah. maybe there's settings, or if the church is used to that on a yeah. Wednesday night or something, and that's, but. Yeah, but I, I always feel, you know, I. When I sit down on a Sunday and, you know, after I've, after I've preached and, you know, I might kind of look at the timer or something and be like, oh, yeah. that was 51 minutes. Yeah. I feel like, well, that's yeah. not, I didn't give them a, a gift of like bonus minutes. Yeah. I kind of like took from them because I wasn't clear enough. Yeah. And I think sometimes I, <clears throat> I think sometimes we have this false notion that it's somehow more spiritual to be able to sit for longer periods of time without getting bored at listening to the Bible. Yeah. Um, and, and that may be true. I yeah. mean, Nehemiah, right, for hours they're standing out listening to him, expanding on the Word of God. Um, and, and I want to grow in being able to listen. I want to be a good listener. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think that that's always necessarily true, you know. And I think sometimes for me, 
I think I'm doing a better job if I'm saying the same thing with less words, because if you're, you're just more precise, like a, a rock skipping across a river and you're skipping this rock, you're just hitting mm. real quickly these points. There's just something I think that st it sticks more in people's hearts. And so I've come to a place even recently of really just trying to have a title for my message rather than just saying Galatians chapter two mm. Mm. and having like this main point, having this thesis statement and then having three supporting points, you know, just to kind of enforce that main idea because is, I mean, that's what Jesus did, right? The parables, it was to convey one idea, right? It was just one thought. I'm not going to give everything to somebody in one sit, one sitting, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't, we, not, none of us know everything about God yet. You know, we're growing in the knowledge of who he is. Yes. And Ephesians 2, for, for eternity to come, we're going to be learning of the richness of his mercy towards us in Christ Jesus. So, um, so sometimes I think we make that mistake of thinking I got to give all of this now or quickly or, you know? And uh, yeah. So I've, I've been trying in this recent church plant to do that better, to say less, to say one thing with the Sunday sermon hmm. and to be more precise. Yeah. So. And to understand maybe the role of what a Sunday service is mm -hmm. and what a sermon is, mm -hmm. that it's not a complete catechist. It's not, we're not teaching everyone everything. No. But, no. and it's funny because we use the word um, message, mm -hmm. um, well, in English language, you know, we talk mm -hmm. about, we might talk about like a message and a sermon. Mm -hmm. We might use those words interchangeably, mm -hmm. you know, how'd the message go or what's the message about? Mm -hmm. And I think rather we should maybe use the word message to describe what is the, the point of your sermon? Yeah. Like, what is the message? Or you yeah. said, thesis statement yeah but like i'm not just up there to talk for 40 minutes and yeah. say a lot of good things but yeah. there should be a message that yeah. comes through you, you want people to walk away feeling like they learned something new about god and they've connected with that hmm. something that's in their pocket that it's not just gonna just kind of drip out of the holes in our heads mm -hmm. and kind of feel like we we had a cheerleading pep rally we got excited about God, but then we walk away not really having any therefore, you know, sure, just, sure. To, but to walk away feeling excited about God and knowing why you feel excited about him, because, well, we, we reflected on the difference between God's mercy and God's grace today. Hmm. Or hmm. we kind of thought about that, or we yeah. thought about what does the peace of God mean? You know, to have peace with God means I'm not his enemy, you know, or just to, to leave them with some concept and to, to boil some, some, some ideas down. And, and even with that, having, one idea to give them that's kind of main. I've even been personally just trying to come back to a place or back maybe to, for the first time to a place of even just trying to like meditate on simple definitions to not underestimate the power of just like, okay, what does it mean to have the peace of God? You know, what does peace mean? What right, is peace? Right. right. So like general definitions of what that word means and what does that mean? That word generally mean biblically. And just kind of not underestimating the power of simplicity. Yeah. And just kind of boiling little concepts down. And Yeah. On, on the topic of definitions, I have, have 2,000 definitions. Number one, I, I hope I'm not going to offend you. I think the worst way to start a sermon mm -hmm. is to say, the dictionary defines oh, grace yeah. as yeah, a, yeah, yeah. like, that is the lamest way to start anything. Yeah. And I've just never done that. Yes. Okay. But that's, that, yeah. Yeah. And, but, yeah. So whoever needs to hear that, don't <laughs> do that. Like use the dictionary. Diff, def, 
<laughs> a dictionary definition yeah. a few minutes into your message, but like yeah. that's not an intriguing, I, inviting yeah. way to start a message. Yeah. That's I, number I, one. Yeah. And then so the definitions are good. And then yeah. two, I think what in addition to that mm. is also saying um, op opposites. Like the antonym of them. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that. I think Spurgeon is really good at that. Mm -hmm. He'll talk about like, he'll talk about peace, but then he'll also talk about war, mm -hmm. con conflict, yeah. or even like yeah. the Eastern Christians have something, the um, apophatic theology. Are you familiar mm -hmm. with that? No, I'm not. It's rather than saying what God is, they kind of meditate on what God is not. Mm -hmm. You know, like he is light, but he is not darkness. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's easier to grasp that he's not darkness yeah. than it is for us to grasp that he is light. Yeah. And so I find it's it's useful to lay, lay aside something's opposite. Yeah. And you talk about the opposite verse, but say, but my friends, God is not darkness. Yeah. God is light. And then yeah. you work to try to find dark uh, yeah. light. Yeah, totally. And, and that's 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 some of like basic things of like poetry when you're trying to communicate yeah. something. When you're talking about using metaphors, when you're talking about using comparisons. Yeah. Or, yes, we're just trying to convey ideas about God in a clear way so that people walk away edified, built up in their faith. Yeah knowing him for who he is and not knowing him for who sometimes we make him to be. Yeah. 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 Hey, final thought. What does it mean that you spend too much time hanging out <laughs> or like how, how can your t people time mm. be almost, I don't want to say useful, but how can mm. your people time serve your sermon time? I think knowing the people in your congregation is um, super important to know where people are at. Yeah. Not that I want to uh, curtail a message to make it like hit somebody like I'm, I'm, this message is for that guy because he needs to hear this. That's right. But just knowing, knowing the people. And I think right now at the beginning of a new church plant, I'm getting way more accomplished in relationship building and oh, in the, in the context of this conversation over coffee, we're now opening our Bibles and I think we're getting a lot more done in my one-on-one -on -one through the week yeah. with people than maybe through five Bible studies a week mm. for the whole congregation. Yes. And um, when, when I say about more time with people than with paper, um, I don't know. Sometimes there's this pressure, I feel like, as Bible teachers to say, okay, I've, I've done 20 hours or I've done 25 hours this week. Yeah. And I'm just, I've been buried in books and I've been at my desk. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't study, but I just think that sometimes we can err in trying to come up with something and get so complicated and sound so polished and yeah. whatever that that I'm not with people, helping them in their day to day and just building those friendships. So, so yeah, I, I could probably spend a little bit more time studying. I don't want to just shoot from the hip. Sure. I, I, but, um, you know, so I, I, want, I want to study, yeah. but I also don't want to make the mistake of just only studying. Yeah. yeah. And I'd say the types of people that get excited about podcasts like this are probably <laughs> more prone to be more paper types okay. than people types. That's just, yeah. that's me anyway. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think that, so yeah, people need to hear the yeah. ones that are more prone to be locked in the room, mm -hmm. reading the seventh or eighth or ninth commentary on a passage okay. to say like, hey, that's that's good enough. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you just write that out and yeah. then go visit somebody. Yeah. Go yeah. walk through the city and pray and yeah. and invest in the the rest of Christian development, not just yeah. the perfect sermon. Yeah. Amen. Amen to that. Because we want to convey God's truth as we do life you know? yeah. and not just Sunday yeah from, from a pulpit and if the majority of your life is spent just outlining things looking yeah. at definitions consulting commentaries yeah. that's not the rest of the congregation's life yeah yeah and i think also too there was yesterday at this workshop <clears throat> that the idea of 
formal, informal, and non-formal yeah. ways of communicating. Um, and just to realize that a lot of what I am studying can also be conveyed on the one-on-one in the week yeah. or to my butcher while I'm trying to share the gospel with him, <laughs> buying a piece of chicken or something. So, yes, yes. Um, they, they were, we're, we're always receiving, learning, and conveying and just, just a lifestyle of, of doing that, you know, just people, you know. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, cool. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Mike. I think the next session is starting. We I can hear get, it. We should get up. All right. God bless um, you guys. Where are we? Why don't you describe, describe us well, around here? We are us in too. the beautiful area of Southern Austria at the Calvary Chapel Conference Center in Milstadt, Austria. Yeah. I think we're, are we at the base of the Austrian Alps? We, we are kind of on the north side of them. Is that it? Okay. Yeah, I think so. So the Alps are south of us and they border with Italy. Oh, what, what's that I see out the window? What's that? So it's kind of the backside or it's the north side of the Alps. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Living the dream. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, thanks so much to you for listening all the way to the end. And once again, a big thank you to David for his time. I, I do appreciate the different emphases that he has and that kind of gentle challenge to not just be paper oriented, but to be people oriented as well, because isn't that what it's all about, right? Okay, so before we end, I just wanna give you another reminder stroke invitation. Um, our second ever Expositors Collective webinar will be taking place on Saturday, September 19th. And uh, the details um, in regards to time and sign up, um, you can find those on our website, expositorscollective.com, or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We'll have the details that are out there as well. Um, Ryan Hughley, who was on episode 114 of the podcast, has agreed to come back to give us a, a teaching followed by an extended time of Q&A and interaction, um, not only with the steering committee, um, but with all of you who do come along. Um, it's limited to the first 100 people who sign up. So find those details, expositorscollective.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and get your name on the list. You're not gonna wanna miss it. Okay, here is a preview for next Tuesday's episode. Uh, it's a great interview between Nick Cady and uh, Pastor Eric Cartier, um, two Colorado pastors speaking. And so I'm gonna leave you with a, a teaser or a clip of next week's episode, and I look forward to catching you then. I hope that this episode, next episode, the webinar, that all of this works together to help you grow in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's word. God bless you. Those first couple years, as brutal as it was, is I would watch, um, at the time, it was a DVD of the message, at least like 15 or 20 minutes with another guy. And we would go through and just pick it apart and like, where can I grow? How can I get better at the delivery? Um, so I would say, you know, studying deeper and working on the delivery um, also had to really grow into being comfortable in my own skin. I think those first couple of years, I was trying to emulate the pastor before me because it was a pretty large church that I stepped into or, you know, emulating John Corson to a point where 
it, it was maybe more of him than more of my own personality. So it took some time to grow that confidence in the Lord to be who God had made me to be.